0: If you're unfamiliar with Hebrews 11, we we describe it as the great hall of fame of faith, uh, where all these men and women of faith are listed. Uh, and often we think, well, the Old Testament believers were saved by works, and it was only us in the New Testament after Jesus that were saved by faith. But, but that's not what we read here in Hebrews 11. Uh, constantly, we're told all the men and women in the Old Testament were men and women of faith constantly the refrain in this chapter is by faith by faith by faith and so last time out john was uh, talking to us about moses and the red sea and all and uh, all and everything else in between tonight we're at jericho uh, and an inhabitant of jericho called rahab and so it's hebrews 11 verse 30 and 31 just two verses uh, more will be read later on in the sermon so we'll read these twice uh, But Jericho and Rahab and their faith. This is God's word. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Amen. And we thank God for his word. If you had been around on the 24th of August in the year 410, it would have felt that the world had quite literally come to an end. Everything for many, many years had been the same, uh, the main power in the world had been the Roman Empire. It had grew and grew and grew. Yes, it had started to know a little bit of a backward step here and there in these years, but it was still at the top of the tree. But then came the 24th of August, 410, when Rome, the Eternal City, no longer the capital of the Empire, but still an important part, the Eternal City was sacked. A bunch of barbarians from the north, those old Germans, couldn't be up to them. Down they came. They swept away the armies that were in front of them, they got into Rome itself, the first time that had happened in about 800 years, and they wrecked the place. They killed all around them, they stole anything that wasn't nailed down, they wrecked and destroyed and burnt and pillaged and raped, and Rome had been sacked for the first time in 800 years. A Christian by the name of Jerome, who was not in Rome at that time, but he was away, in the Middle East, he heard the news and he wrote, if Rome can perish, then what else can be safe? The city that had taken the whole world was taken itself. An equivalent today, I suppose, would be as if we woke up in the morning to discover that the Russians had marched into Washington. Perhaps a hundred years ago, it would have been a similar story if the Germans had come over across the channel and marched into london a great mighty city eternal central strong powerful never would be shaken and suddenly it lies in ruins and it burns if rome can perish what can be saved folks at that stage in history christianity had become the dominant factor in rome it started out as a little uh, religion in the backwater of the empire, and yet it came to the point where suddenly it was the official religion of the state. Christianity, the dominant force, and yet Rome still fell. And many at the time asked questions, why? Why did Rome fall? Why did everything we knew get shaken up? Especially because we had Christ on the throne. What has happened here? And well, of course we know that just because a, a nation is... Moderately Christian does not mean that it will stand forever. Empires come and empires go. Only Christ remains. But those questions were being asked. We were dominant. We were strong. We were mighty. How come we're now on the back foot? Folks, we live, of course, 1,600 years on. And yet I suspect for some of us, we can really sympathize with Jerome and that thought, if Rome can perish, what else can be saved? So you and I live, I think, in the end of Christendom here in the West. Northern Ireland especially is still filled with great and mighty churches, big, massive churches with seats coming out of the walls, and yet they're largely empty. And as we watch the nation itself, Christian Britain, it's going back the way, isn't it? No longer does Christ seem to be as important as he used to be. Indeed, I read a story this week about this family who were giving off in their local school because their little child was subjected to an act of worship every single day in the assembly uh, and the teacher would pray and they thought this was a disgrace and so they've got all this turned upside down the child doesn't need to go to assembly anymore Uh, he can sit somewhere else and the teacher has to come in and, and do something with him and you think well surely that's fair enough if it's a state school but it isn't a state school it's it's a church of england school And you'd think to yourself, if you're a parent sending your children to the Church of England school, surely you're happy enough with prayer. Not anymore. Not even the Church of England schooling system across the water is a safe haven for Christianity. And so what do we do? What do we do when everything we have known is shaken? And what do we do when everything we we have come to rely on is turned upside down? What do we do when we look at this world? It's dark, it's scary. Christianity seems to be on the back foot, and we feel, well, if Rome can perish, where else can we be safe? What do we do? Well, of course, the first thing we could do is compromise. first thing we could do is go along to get along. And certainly if we went that road, it, it wouldn't be a new story. The Pope at the time of uh, Rome falling in the year 410 was someone called Innocent the First. What a wonderful name innocent the first if i ever became pope i, I would like a name like that pope billy innocent the first of the woodstock or something like that pope innocent the first and you think with the barbarians outside the gates pope innocent the first would offer some wisdom some leadership to the people perhaps he would preach and tell them look empires come and go but christ remains what did he do he sent word out through the city and he says look we don't really believe in the foreign pagan gods anymore. But if you want to pray to them and sacrifice to them over the next couple of days, sure, it can do no harm. You compromise. If the barbarians outside, Pope innocent, us the first thought, well, well, maybe our God isn't the one that we've been talking about. Maybe he's not the top of the tree that we have said. Pray to the foreign gods. Pray to the idols. Fingers crossed we might survive. We could compromise couldn't we we could be men and women who as we watch christianity being pushed to the back fringes of society we could compromise we could go along to get along we could just uh, trade in our morals and our standards and and just drift along and hopefully the world will respect us and honor us because after all things are improving i read this week that in the past 50 years things have dramatically improved i'm not going to name names uh, I'll not even look in their direction. I'll, I'll look over here. But there are two elderly gentlemen in the prayer meeting tonight. And as I was getting ready to lead them in the prayer time, they were given off about the roads. Well, not name names, but they know who they are. The roads they were given off. It wasn't like that years ago? Sure it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But what do you hear? In 1966, average life expectancy was only 56 years. Today, it's 72 that's good that's a 29 percent increase 50 years ago out of every 1000 infants born 113 of them died before their first birthday today it's only 32 that's a reduction of 72 percent 50 years ago the medium income per person uh, was about 6,000 pound today it is 16 that's a 167 percent increase 50 years ago the food supply uh, it was about two and, uh, 2.3 thousand calories per person per day. Today, it's 2.8 thousand calories. It's 22% increase. 50 years ago, the amount of schooling you would get would be about 3.9 years. Today, it's 8.4, 115% increase. Now, today, the level of democracy uh, is about 4.23% in the world. That's an improvement of 536% since 50 years ago things are pretty good as we look around this world and things are pretty good without christianity it would seem and and so for you and me those individuals that are still clinging on to the old ways well the temptation is to compromise because after all everything's hunky dory isn't it well of course it's not folks as you watch this world and you will know And it might look bright and shiny. Things on paper might seem to be getting better, but it is slowly but surely collapsing in on itself. It cannot last. It's always been that way. It's always been the case that that no matter, you could be the strongest empire in the world, like Rome, or you might be a little fleeting empire like the British, but eventually it goes, it changes, it falls. As we look tonight in Hebrews 11, we think of the city of jericho here's a city in the way of the people of god a city surrounded by walls a city that could not be shaken could not be moved and and you thought to yourself well well the faith is going to hit against these walls and just fall by the wayside but of course we know that that's not what happened and as we read this story tonight as we look at it and and think about it then i hope that it gives you confidence see brothers and sisters we are living in days of darkness we're living in days where it feels like we are on the back foot. It feels like Christianity will be swept away. And yet tonight, absolutely we need that compromise. Absolutely we can be certain that the gospel will continue. And Christ remains on the throne. See, tonight it's a tale of two cities. Wasn't that Charles Dickens? I don't know. Never read But tonight is a tale of two cities. The city of God on one hand. And the city of man on the other. And it seems that the city of man is bright and shiny and strong, never will be shaken. And it seems that the city of God is weak and lowly and despised and rejected and on its way out. But tonight, with confidence I tell you, that the city of God does not depend on the city of man. Hebrews 11 and verse 10 tells us exactly that. We've already read this weeks and weeks ago. And we read about Father Abraham that he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. There's our Christian hope. It isn't tied up with the empire that we live in. It's not tied up on where the border is, whether it's in the Irish Sea or a hard border across the middle of this wee island. It's not tied up on who the Pope is or who the king or queen is or any of that. The city of God is not dependent on the city of man. We look forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. If you want to know what that city is going to be like, then you can skip to Revelation 21. And in that chapter, we see the city of God coming out of heaven, prepared as if for a bride for her husband. And we read about that city, that its walls are great and high. They have 12 gates and and on the, name, on the gates, the names of the twelve tribes of Israel are written. And on the wall of the city, there are twelve foundations. And on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And then later we read about this city, that, that there was no temple in its city. For its temple is the Lord of God Almighty. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Folks, here is the city of God. It is this city that we are part of by faith. It is this city that has foundations. It is this city whose designer and builder is God. It is this city that will last, that will stand for eternity. It is this city where we find our confidence. Folks, tonight, I suspect many of us, too often, put our roots down in the city of man. We put our roots down in Balne or Drummond S, or or Seaford or wherever other exotic places we are from. Our roots are here. Because after all, this is all there's going to be. This is all that we know. And we forget that for the Christian, our journey and our life is fleeting through this city of man. We as Christians are part of the city of God and one day we will be home. There's our hope. Much is said in these days about whether Boris Johnson can be trusted, whether we would be better off with Jeremy Corbyn, whether we should get Joe Swinson, uh, the leader of the Liberal Democrats, to be the new Margaret Thatcher. Don't be doing it. Please don't. Or maybe Nicola Sturgeon, because she's Scottish, and Scottish people are all a good laugh. Or what about Arlene? Imagine Arlene in number 10, Nigel is the Chancellor of the Exchequer. We spend our days thinking about these things. Wondering about who we should vote for up the lamppost. Wondering and worrying about where the border is going to be. And yet for us, you and me, men and women of faith, we do not look to a city here and now, temporary, fleeting, and fading away. Instead, we look to the city whose designer and builder is God. But what has that got to do with the city of Jericho? You see, folks, you could preach about the city of Jericho, and you could say, well, if you've got a problem like Jericho, then, then march around it day by day, pray around it day by day, and eventually the walls will come tumbling down, and you will receive great victory. But that's not always how it works, is it? I have a dear friend who has been praying for about 15, 16 years, and still his prayer has not been answered. And so tonight I will preach about Jericho and your difficulties and if you march around them then everything's going to be okay. Instead I want you to see Jericho as the city of man, This obstacle in the way of the people of God and perhaps you think well, well what can we do as the Christian church in the ever darkening west? What can we do when it seems that at every turn we are pushed further and further outside the walls? What can we do? Friends I want to remind you simply that Jericho fell without a shot being fired. Jericho's walls collapsed without anger or aggression or any of the ways of the world. You see, the Lord's means in this day and age, the Lord's way of doing things, the Lord's way of achieving a victory in 2019, are not the way of the world. We know that. In Zechariah, we read exactly that. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is how God does his business. This is how the work of the gospel will advance, even in weakness, even when it feels like the church is despised and rejected and there's no time for the gospel. The gospel will advance not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And it's exactly that when it comes to the city of Jericho. In Joshua 6, we read that Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, with its king and its mighty men of valor, and you shall march round the city, all the men of war going round the city once, and you shall do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, and on the seventh day you shall march round the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every one straight before him. Remarkable. How do you defeat a great city? Not like this. How do you defeat a city of man, a, 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 a system that oppresses the people of God, surely not like this. And yet this is exactly the way the Lord has ordained, exactly the means that the Lord has ordained to bring an end to Jericho. It seems like madness. It seems like somebody somewhere has got completely the wrong end of the stick, and and instead we need to talk about bombs and guns and tanks and might and power. But that's not God's way. As we've read here in Hebrews 11, it is by faith that the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith. By faith. What can we do tonight in the face of the city of man in which we live? What can we do tonight in the face of the city of man which wants to give you freedom to terminate a child in the womb, up to 40 weeks for any reason. What can we do tonight in the face of a world which is happy, bombing and fighting and destroying? What can we do tonight in the face of a world which wants to flee the other way from God? What can we do tonight in the face of such darkness? Compromise? Or long for the days gone past when we were the dominant culture when Christianity was the culture of the West. Or perhaps we stand with feet of faith tonight in the face of an angry and aggressive world and we can trust the Lord's way. It's not by might, not by power, that the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, but by the Spirit of God lord's means are not the world's means and tonight we can take comfort in that how do we convince this world by the word and by the power and the movement of the holy spirit jericho's walls came down in an orthodox way in a mighty way but they fell without a shot being fired. and friends tonight we take comfort in that don't we i hope we do I heard an American evangelist about a couple of weeks ago was saying, if you're not on Donald Trump's side, then you're not a Christian. If you're not on Donald Trump's side, you're not a Christian. Folks, I hope you don't listen to madness like that. I hope you don't believe tripe like that. I do love the Americans. Hopefully one day I will get to live there and be a citizen there. I will happily lose my East Belfast accent when I am living on the West Coast, living the dream. But I'll never put my faith in a president like that. If you're not on Donald Trump's side, you're not a Christian. Madness. What do we do today? We look unto the Lord. We trust him by faith. And we know that the people of God will not be set adrift even in the darkest of night. For the Lord's kingdom, the city of God, is the one that will last. And the city of man will fade and collapse like Jericho. But even in the midst of the judgment that the Lord pours out upon Jericho, there's also a story of hope. The next verse in Hebrews 11 tells us about someone called Rahab. She was a prostitute. And she did not perish with those who were disobedient in Jericho, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spy, One of my friends who I trained with uh, back at college was preaching about Rahab uh, when he was an assistant. And he, I'll, not, well, I'll not tell you his name, uh, just in case you know him, as many people would in this wee part of the world. But he was preaching about this, and he was a, a conservative sort of fella, and he didn't really want to say that word about what Rahab did for a living. And so he had a list of about 15 words to describe what she got up to to pay her bills that didn't make him say that word. Lady of the night, a woman of loose moral fiber, you know, things like that. But we can't hide it. Paul says it here in verse 31, she was a prostitute. She was a woman in the city who, the judgment of God was coming on account of people like her. And yet it was by faith that she didn't perish in Jericho. It was by faith that the God looked her out of the city of man and brought her to live in the city of God we know what she did for a living but we also know that when the spies came to scout out the the land she welcomed them and remarkably in Joshua chapter 6 here's what we read about her Rahab speaks to the man and says we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and to Og, who you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, says Rahab, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Isn't it remarkable that here is this woman inside the city walls, Here is this woman, part of the system of the city of man. Here is this woman who who is living in a way that is not God-honoring, doing a job that is not God-honoring. And what does she say? I heard about your God. I've heard what he's like. I've heard the stories about him. I've come to trust him. And it is by faith that Rahab the prostitute is saved. We know the amazing story, don't we? That nothing would happen to her or to her family. They would let down this scarlet cord, and so when the attack came, that her family would be safe, they would be secure. And we know that Rahab and and her family are brought outside, and they live in Israel to this very day, says Joshua in in the Word of God. Well, tonight we look at the city of man in which we live, and we look at the depravity and we look at how many people are, are far away from Christ. We know it in our own family. We have brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and cousins that, that want nothing to do with Jesus. And we think, what can we do? How can we convince them? How can we make them understand their need of Christ? I feel so, just so unable, and inadequate to do it. What can we do? Folks, as we read this story of the city of man falling to the ground, and this prostitute and her family being saved from out, how was Rahab saved? By the word and by the spirit. She heard. She heard. That's not dramatic, is it? That's not par or might. I would never despise anyone that stands on a street corner preaching the word of God. I know sometimes we look at them and roll our eyes and we think, Oh, that doesn't work anymore. Does it not? Standing and proclaiming how wonderful, how good, how mighty our God is. Friends, never underestimate the word of God. Never doubt the power of the gospel. Never once question that it is mighty and effective to this very day. How do we set the captives free from the city of man and bring them to the city of God? By word and by spirit. How do we see chains broken and relatives restored and sons brought home? By word and by spirit. What are you going to give your family this Christmas when they come? A lecture on about how they don't go to church? Or perhaps instead, share the word with them. Speak to them about Christ in gentle ways. In winsome ways. I trust the Spirit to give the increase. Rahab did not deserve it. But it was by faith that she was saved. Her and her whole family. By faith this woman was plucked from the rubble of Jericho. See the reality is folks, today as it was a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, the reality is that the gates of hell will not prevail against the Church of Christ. The gates of hell will not prevail against the city of God. The gates of hell will not prevail against the gospel. And yet as we sit here tonight with all the darkness, well, we just want to go home, and get into bed and, and hope for better days tomorrow, fingers crossed, touch wood, weave it a compromise. No. It is by faith that the walls of Jericho fell. And it is by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was saved. And it is by faith tonight that as a church, we peer into the darkness. And we know that the darkness does not overcome the light. You see, you and I are part of the city of God. And if we compare the city of God and the city of man, then there is no comparison. In Hebrews 12 and verse 22, Paul puts it this way, using the same imagery when he's talking about mountains. Instead of being on Mount Sinai, we have come, says Paul, to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and feastal of and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God who is the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, unto the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Here's what we have come to. And there's no comparison. Who do we trust in tonight? Donald Trump? Boris Johnston? Arling? I like Big Arling, but Arling? come by faith to Zion and to the city of the living God. And we come to Jesus. See, before the walls of Jericho fall, Joshua and the people of God meet with Christ. They meet Jesus at the end of Joshua chapter 5. He is described as the commander of the Lord's army. And you think to yourself, well, maybe, Scott, that's just a a mighty angel, But, but it can't be. Because the scriptures tell us that Joshua falls down before the commander of the Lord's army and worships. And he is not rebuked for that. We know later in Revelation that John is rebuked. He falls down to worship an angel, and the angel says, don't do that. Don't worship me. But when Joshua meets the commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 5, he is not rebuked. He worships. And we believe this to be a Christophany, an appearance of Christ before his coming in Matthew's gospel. Friends, isn't it interesting that even in Joshua 5, where is Jesus? He is outside the city walls with the people of God. And what is it that we understand about Christ and his sacrifice for us? Well, again, as Paul says in Hebrews 13 and verse 12, Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Friends, here is our confidence. Here is our prime minister, our president, our king of kings, our lord of lords, our saviour, outside the city of man, but about to tear down its walls. And so tonight we could go home waking and shaking. We could watch the news with panic. We could lie in our beds longing for days gone past and maybe they'll come again. Or, tonight we can simply climb into our onesie, get into our wee snuggly jammies, have a wee cup of cocoa and a wee slice of bacon to finish this day and rest in Christ. It is by faith that Jericho fell. It is by faith that Rahab was saved, and it is by faith that the church of Christ, the city of God, will stand even in the most dark of days. And so do not be afraid, my brothers and sisters, for we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and therefore we offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. for our God is a consuming fire. Amen, and we thank God tonight for his word.